I do solemnly, solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the order, orders of the officers appointed over me according to the regulations and the UCMJ. So help me God. That is the oath that every enlisted and officer takes when they enter into the armed forces. And um, the interesting thing about that oath on this Veterans Day weekend for us as we remember the veterans is that I think there's some lessons that we can learn from the oath. First of all, that the United States is a constitutional republic. We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. That's the preamble, as you know, to the constitution itself. And what follows are directives and amendments for a representative government. The other reality I think that we can learn from the oath is that there are enemies, both foreign and domestic, of this republic. There always have been, and there probably always will be. Uh, the question for those who would be committed to a constitutional republic is are they willing to stand in their time in order to defend this dream that was set out uh, in 1776. It is the duty of the president and military to, def to defeat them to preserve this constitutional republic. And also, I think the oath says something else to us that is profoundly uh, important for us to remember, and that is this, that this constitutional republic of freedom is worth defending. It's worth defending with one's very own life. If you go to the beaches of Normandy and the cemetery surrounding it, uh, other places throughout this world, even within these own United States and Hawaii, the uh, cemetery, the Punch Bowl, the Pacific, um, as a Navy chaplain from 1987 to 90, I spent a lot of time in that place. And you'll walk along and see the tombstones of names of uh, soldiers and Marines and uh, Navy personnel who served in multiple wars. Um, men and women that I never met and that you probably never met as well. And yet in a very real, real and literal way, uh, laid down their lives for you and for me that this constitutional republic would continue on to this present day. You know, there are moments in... Uh, the life of a country, a nation, where either you're going to survive or you're going to be defeated and destroyed. And uh, the reality of that uh, comes home to us in so many different ways. In light of the enemies that the United States has faced and even faces in this present moment, how do we proceed as Christians, as believers? Um, I want to go back to a scripture about another nation that was facing certain defeat. There were a group of nations that literally wanted to wipe this nation off the face of the earth. In fact, there are nations still today that want to wipe it off the face of the earth. It's the nation of Israel. 
And I want to read this uh, scripture from 2 Chronicles 20.20. How about that? Uh, That should be an easy one for you to remember. 2 Chronicles 20.20. In the morning, they got up early and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. As they went about to go out, Jehoshaphat, the king at that time, stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. So this scripture in 2 Chronicles 20.20 actually sets the theme of 2 Chronicles 20 itself. And I really would encourage you, as I've been doing this over this past week, to spend some time in 2 Chronicles 20 from beginning to end because I really believe it's a very timely scripture for the hour in which we live in this United States and in the world in terms of the future of the nation and what it will look like. Let me set the scene for you at the beginning of this chapter, 2 Chronicles 20. Somebody comes and reports to King Jehoshaphat the last thing that he would ever want to hear from somebody. A vast multitude from beyond the Dead Sea has come to fight against you. (laughs) I imagine the king in that moment said, oh, great. I'm wondering if it was in the morning. It's kind of how his day started out. You know, um, this is really great news to get today. There's a vast multitude approaching him. They didn't have um, satellites during that day. Um, he probably woke up and got this news and didn't even know this was going to be happening. So it didn't just say an army. It didn't even say a couple of armies. It, the, the messenger said a vast multitude. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. So King Jehoshaphat was afraid and sought the Lord. He proclaimed the fast and gathered all of Judah and Jerusalem to come together to fast and pray before God. Now, one of the interesting things that we can learn from King Jehoshaphat is that Jehoshaphat was afraid when he heard this. Now, again, I've been sharing with you that we're not to live in a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But also the reality is, is, if, is if you're afraid of something, if you realize something's going on that um, is causing you to struggle and maybe you're sleepless at night about it and you're concerned about what your future holds, um, I just want to say to you, maybe your feelings are trying to tell you something. Feelings are one of the ways in which life speaks to us. I remember walking down the road in West Virginia, and, and uh, my family at that, and I at that time were walking down a country road, beautiful, just visited a good friend, big piece of farm. And as walking along, I looked down, for some reason, I looked down to my right, and there was this six-foot-long black snake. I mean, this, yeah, that's how I felt, too. Saw some of you squinching. I saw that thing, and I mean, (laughs) the adrenaline took over, and I just started running. Uh, And the snake went off the other way. But I was afraid. I was scared. And again, um, those, those feelings are there as a warning. They're trying to tell you something. So when Jehoshaphat was afraid about this vast multitude, it caused him to action. He proclaimed the fast. He called the people of Judah and Israel together to fast before God and to seek him. So as they began to do this, Jehoshaphat prays to God and reminds God of his covenant with Judah. Our God, will you not judge them? These are the people, the the vast multitude that they're coming to destroy the people of Judah and Israel. For we are powerless before this vast multitude that comes to fight against us. We do not know what to do, but we look to you. 
So again, this is another important thing the king is doing. The king realizes that he's beaten, that there is a vast multitude. He's probably going out and taking a look, and it's like, (laughs) he's even more afraid. It's like, man, we are toast. There is like no way we can beat all of these armies that have assembled together to wipe us off from the face of the earth. Um, And so Jehoshaphat realizes this, and so he comes before the Lord, and and he lets God knows this, that we are powerless before this vast multitude. There's nothing we can do. We do not know what to do, but we look to you. So again, in your own life, if you are facing a vast multitude, if your country or something else that's going on is facing a vast multitude, if things are really tumultuous, and and you kind of see the writing on the wall, you kind of sense in your spirit that, you know what, we're toast. It might be a good time to start seeking the Lord. (laughs) It might be a good time to follow the example of King Jehoshaphat and proclaim a fast, at least even in your own life, and to pray and seek him and to acknowledge what you see. Say, God, this thing is too, it's vast, it's too big for me, it's too big for our army, and we don't know what to do, but we're looking to you. Very important thing that he did as well and that you and I can do. So as soon as Jehoshaphat says, we do not know what to do, but we look to you, the Holy Spirit falls upon a Levite, part of the priests of Israel, who prophesies the following. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, you see, there's a couple of things that you can do in that moment where you hear God speak that word to you. This battle is not yours, it is mine. Just stand still and watch what I will do. You'll do one of two things. You'll still keep worrying. You'll still be afraid. You'll be making your plans about all the things you got to do. Oh, I'm still toast. Or you could actually hear the word of the Lord, receive it in faith, and believe in somehow, some way, God is going to fight this battle for you and overcome this vast multitude. Do you know how God's going to do it? Absolutely not. None of us know how God's going to do it. I can just say to you, I've had experiences in this before. And other friends of mine have well over time, and God shows up in the fight. And he can overcome anyone and anything. God has been fighting these battles for a long, long time. And let me just say, he knows how to fight them better than you and me. And so what, what they do then, this goes back to the scripture I started off with, Second Chronicles 20, 20, write it down, write it down. In the morning, they got up early and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. As they went about to go out, King Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. So you see, the King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah and Israel have heard this word from the Lord the night before. 
You don't have to be afraid. This is not your battle. It is God's. Just go and position yourself. Stand still and see what I can do. They wake up the next morning, 2 Chronicles 20, 20. They listen to the word of the Lord. They position themselves looking, overlooking the valley where this vast multitude is to see what God will do. So they listen to the word of the Lord. And then it says, then the praise team or the choir, Glenn, they sent the choir out in front, which is fine with me. Then the praise team goes out in front of the army of Israel and they sing, give thanks to the Lord for his faithfulness endures forever. What would anybody be doing sending the choir out in front of the army? It's like sending the Marine Corps band out in front of the Marines before they land on the beach in Guadalcanal. It just makes absolutely no military sense at all. But you notice in the history of Israel, this is something God leads them to do time and time again. Remember when they marched around the walls of Jericho for seven days? Who was leading that procession? It was the praise team. It was the priests. It was the people that were worshiping God. They were dancing and worshiping the Lord. And then the army came after them. And they marched around the walls for six days. And on the seventh day, as they marched around the walls, they gave up a shout and the walls fall, fell down. By the way, those walls were built on dirt aligned on the inside. So those walls actually collapsed in over the dirt. Archaeologically speaking, that's what happened, which is even more astounding. And time and time again, what happens is God sends out the people of praise, the people of worship, the people of faith in front of the army. And there's a reason for that. I'm going to share with you right now. The moment they began their shouts and praises, this is the praise team. This is the choir. The army hasn't even fought yet. God said earlier, you're not going to have to fight them. I'm going to fight the battle. This is how God fights his battles. The moment they began their shouts and praises, the Lord set an ambush against the Ammonites, Moabites, and Mount Seir. They destroyed one another, and it took three days for Israel to gather the plunder from their enemies. What happened was, God's, as, as the people of God praised the Lord and gave thanks to God and acknowledged to the Lord that He is faithful his faithfulness endures forever. As they were singing and shouting that before God and praising him, God set an ambush for their enemies and destroyed them. As you read the story in 2 Chronicles 20, what happens is the Ammonites and the Moabites turned against the people from Mount Seir, and it says in the scripture that they annihilated them. And then the Moabites and Ammonites turned against one another, one another and they annihilated each other. So again, as you look at the scripture, what does God do? He often does that. What God does is that when we pray to him and we seek him and we try to understand how God would have us fight a battle, especially against an army or armies that is too big for us, a vast multitude, what God always does is God hears the praises and worship of his people and God goes ahead of you and sets an ambush on your enemy. What happens is usually the enemy uh, comes into a spirit of division. They begin to devour each other and destroy, destroy one another. In the book of Esther, I mean, the scripture is full of this stuff. I could go all night. I won't. Okay. But in the book of Esther, what happens is Haman has planned to hang Mordecai. There's already a gallows built for him, and he's lied to the king. 
Esther and the people of Israel fast for three days. Then Esther goes into the king's presence, lets him know what's up, and guess who ends up hanging on the gallows? Haman. Haman hangs on the gallows that he had built for the, for the people of Israel. And God does this time and time again. And so what I want to encourage us to do in this moment is, first of all, take a feeling check. How have you been sleeping lately? Is there something that's concerning you? Do you perceive that there's a vast army that you're facing? Maybe in your own life, maybe in this country, maybe in the world. Is there a multitude that is coming against you and is scaring you to death about what it will mean and what it could mean for you in the future? You realize in the depth of your heart, you cannot win this battle. I have a very simple word of encouragement to you today. <laughs> I believe it's God's word for us in this moment, Second Chronicles 20. Go and read it, read it again, and read it again, and begin to apply what it says in that particular part of Scripture. Come before the Lord. Acknowledge your feelings. Acknowledge what you see and what you sense. Proclaim a fast in your own life and maybe in the lives of some of your own friends. Acknowledge before the God, Lord God Almighty that you serve, that there is a vast multitude that you see and you cannot win and you're waiting on him to give you direction. That you are his people, that you are his inheritance, that this is a constitutional republic that God has used in unique ways and that you're looking for God to speak to you and to others about what to do in this moment. And then listen to the word of the Lord. For the Lord in this moment, in the days to come, will always surround his people with songs of deliverance. He will always give us as his people a way forward as we worship and praise his name as we go out to battle. The Lord will give us victory over our enemies, and in a battle that we cannot win before a multitude that is vast, the Lord will fight the battle. The Lord will fight the battle. You and I just have to listen to what he says and have faith that there is a victory in front of us. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for 2 Chronicles 2020. Boy, how timely is that? How appropriate is that? And Lord, I want to pray for each one of us as your people and in this city and in this nation and in the world. If there is any way that any one of us is facing a vast multitude, an army that is seeking to destroy us, and there are those feelings of fear. There's those feelings of awareness that, hey, this is what's going on, and I cannot win. Lord, I pray that this scripture would be an encouragement. I pray it would be a word of direction, Second Chronicles 20, about the steps we need to take in this moment. And Lord, we praise you and we give you thanks that when we can't win, you can. 
We surrender our fear to you and our concerns. We pray for the grace to fast and pray in a way like we never have before. And Lord, we pray that we would hear the word of the Lord in 2 Chronicles 20 and in other ways you may speak it to us. And we pray, Lord, that you would fight this battle that faces us personally, corporately, nationally, internationally. We pray that you would fight it for us in such a way that your people would prevail. And Lord, to you, we will give all the praise and the honor and the glory because you are a faithful God who is worthy of praise forever and ever. Amen.